Dear listeners, welcome back. It's Kiana here, and you're listening to British Whisperer, a place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. On the podcast website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find a link to the webpage with full transcript of each episode and its translation in Italian. In this episode, I'm going to focus first on King Charles' coronation. Are Harry and Meghan going to be there? What is planned so far? Next, uh, I will talk about fashion and makeup, but the royal ones. Yes, dear listeners, some frivolities from time to time have to be mentioned. Ready to listen and learn some new English today? Here we are on to the big royal event of the upcoming spring. King Charles' coronation, that will take place on Saturday, May 6th, 2023, at Westminster Abbey, with a weekend of events planned to celebrate, including a concert at Windsor Castle. The latest news is that senior members of the royal family are expected to join the public and take part in volunteering during the coronation bank holiday, the Telegraph understands. The scheme, called the Big Help Out, launches on Friday, and charities are urging people to use the bank holiday on May 8th to take part into activities which create a lasting volunteering legacy from the coronation. The Prince and Princess of Wales are thought likely to be involved and are said to consider it a fantastic idea. But will Meghan and Harry be there? The latest odds suggest that there is a 75% chance the Duke and Duchess of Sussex won't attend the coronation. Bookies also say there is just an 11% chance the royal family will issue a public apology to the couple following the publication of Aria's autobiography, Spare. On Tuesday, publisher Transfer Penguin Random House announced that the book has sold 750,000 copies across all formats in the UK since its publication on January 10th, making it the fastest-selling non-fiction book ever a record that has been confirmed by Guinness World Records. It is also the biggest selling memoir ever in its first week of its publication. So, the book looks set to more than cover the cost of Harry's 20 million advance. But, at what price? An invitation will be extended to the couple amid weekend reports of peace talks to ensure that the coronation isn't blighted by tension between the royals. But would Harry and Meghan really want to attend and run the risk of being publicly booed or, dare I say, egged? While the book has clearly proved an unprecedented hit, sales-wise, what has it done for their reputation? Their approval rate has tanked in the UK. But, even more disturbingly, they now appear to have been become figures of ridicule in the US, with the likes of chat shows hosts such as Gimme Kimmel openly poking fun at Harry on primetime TV. That's not exactly a winning look for a couple who not only take themselves seriously, but demand that the other world takes them seriously too. The king will be crowned alongside the Queen Consort at Westminster Abbey in London, as I mentioned. In a statement, Buckingham Palace said, the coronation will reflect the monarch's role today and look towards the future, while being rooted in long-standing traditions and pageantry. It added, the coronation is a solemn religious service, together with an occasion for celebration. 
sources have said it will be planned to be representative of different faiths and community groups, falling in line with the King's wish to reflect the ethnic diversity of modern Britain. He will still pledge to be the defender of the faith in the coronation oath, but palace aides and church officials plan to add further words that will allow the king to recognize he serves all religious faiths. Some curiosities over the crown now. The king will be crowned with the St. Edward's crown, which is made of solid gold and features over 400 gemstones, including rubies, garnet and sapphires. Well, seems very, very beautiful. During the investiture, the king will be presented with the sovereign's orb, a golden globe surmounted by a cross which dates back to 1661. It is meant to remind the monarch that as his or her power is derived by God. The orb is divided into three sections, meant to represent the three continents known in medieval times. So, what is Operation Golden Orb? Operation Golden Orb is the codename under which plans for King Charles' coronation had been drawn up. How coronation plans reflect Charles' third desire to be people king, then? More elements, modern ones, will reflect a Britain that has changed considerably since Queen Elizabeth II was crowned in 1953. For years, it had been written that the king planned to make his coronation as inclusive as possible. Much had been made of Charles III pledging to be defender of not just the faith, but of all faiths, as I mentioned before. Yet, while the palace may have dialed down that rhetoric by insisting that the coronation oath will not be changed, the newly released plan for the coronation weekend in May reflect the monarch's desire to be the people's king. While the service on Saturday will be rooted in long-standing traditions pageantry, including a gold state coach procession through the streets of London, there will be also more modern elements to reflect a Britain that has changed considerably. As one royal insider involved with the planning put it, the coronation itself is a great and glorious occasion. By its nature, it's majestic, but it needs to be inclusive and reflect the Britain of today. It's a more diverse nation than it was in 1953. The king is also keen for it to carry a legacy, and that's where the volunteering aspect comes in. As well as the official ceremony at Westminster Abbey, officiated by the Archbishop of Canterbury, a weekend of celebration has been designed specifically with the aim of bringing communities together. Quoting an analysis the Telegraph Royal Correspondent Camilla Tanemi had written about the King's plans for the four-day coronation bank holiday weekend, I read, A royal source told the Daily Telegraph that coronation need to be majestic but inclusive to reflect the diverse mood and matron. Reflecting on Maligan Palace announcement that the NHS and refugees will be put at the heart of celebration, which will also include LGBTQ plus groups performing at the start-studded concert at Windsor Castle, this coronation cannot be elitist. Not after everything we have gone through with COVID and the cost of living crisis. Like the Platinum Jubilee, it's got to be a universal cause for celebration rather than being something that VIPs get to enjoy while the rest of us passively observe from behind Palace gates. UK is desperately in need of a mutual cause for celebration that transcends the politics and economics of these troubled times. Well, let's face it, we could all do with a street party complete with shared coronation chicken sandwiches and Victoria sponge, even if we aren't really interested in the monarchy and its members. 
But if a diverse and inclusive coronation means bringing communities together, well, I'm all for it. Let's now move on to fashion and makeup. If you are lacking a little wardrobe inspiration right now, look no further than Princess of Wales. Catherine Middleton, whose latest outfit showcases an inspired color combination. Catherine visited the nursery in Latin last week, wearing a Massimo Dutti camel coat with a vermilion jumper and a skirt co-old by sustainable American label Gabriella Hurst. The add-to-toe cashmere ensemble, a cozy choice on a chilly morning. We have seen all these pieces on engagement before, along with the Kiki Medan citrine pear drop earrings, Stuart Waitsman clutch and Gianvito Rossi brown suede boots. But these shades together are a sophisticated spin on wardrobe staples. The princess isn't the first to have put camel and red together. In fact, it's the very of the moment. We have seen it at Gucci, J.W. Anderson and in the new Marnie Per Karat WIP collaboration as well. And the good news is that you may well have them in your wardrobe already. So sometimes you just need to wear your old clothes in a new way to fall back in love with them. And, dear listeners, I've been thinking lately about lip gloss and its subtle role in the complicated relationship of teenage girls in light of the recent revelation of the great royal lip gloss snob, Meghan Markle asking Kate Middleton to borrow some, and Kate recoiling. Apparently, sometime in 2018, Meg and Kate were at an event together, and Meg forgot her gloss, thinking, as a girl raised in the 90s California might, that her soon-to-be sister-in-law would be happy to give her some, Meghan asked if she could borrow a tube to which Kate reluctantly agreed. As Prince Harry described it in his book, in a passage from his old memoirs, Bear, Meg squeezed some onto her finger and applied it onto her lips. Kate grimaced. This, according to the Duke of Sussex, was an American thing. Well, we are all ladles now and perhaps have more respect for hygiene than we once did. Maybe British girls had more sanitary bonding rituals. Real friends knew one another's favorite kind, and whether it came from the drugstore or a department store or later Sephora, lip gloss was more than just a makeup. It was a tool for discerning your place into the social hierarchy. Girls, you would share your lip gloss weight. Those were your ride of dice. Ah, good times. Not everyone shared lip gloss, of course, and these were probably the lucky few who avoided the school-wide outbreak of oral herpes during my sophomore year. But for the cohort of women who did, the sticky goop was as much as intimacy as anything else. Still, for those of us who grew up swapping lip smackers or juicy tubes, there was something extra poignant about that moment. Maybe Beckham really needed some lip moisture, sure. Or maybe she was just one girl reaching out to another, gently testing the boundaries of their relationship with a simple question. Can I borrow your lip gloss? Or maybe I'm just projecting. I did recover a tube of grubby vanilla birthday cake gloss a few years back. 
showed in the back of a drawer at my parents' house, next to a soft lips, which had managed to survive two decades and a move. That syrupy sweet smell, like day-old frosting, if you know, you know, catapulted me back to the high school and the girls who colored that experience. Uh, it was lightly nauseating, but it also smelled like friendship. And that's all for today, lovely listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you can take some valuable information from this and apply into your English learning. As always, remember to visit my website to check the script of this episode and also the links to all the, art- the articles I have quoted. And please, if you have liked this episode... Leave a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcast, and don't forget to spread the word. And if you want, you can be updated by following me on Instagram and spread the word. Of course, we are welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas by writing an email to the British Whisper at writeme.com. And be sure to come back next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Kiratia and this is the British Whisper.